You're listening to the Beauty Me podcast, which is all about beauty without the BS. If you're interested in how the worlds of beauty and wellness are intertwined, or you're obsessed with daily rituals of skincare and self-care, or you just want to know the latest when it comes to new beauty, this is for you. I'm your host, Sharice Kenyon. Today's guest is Ashley Griffin. She is, well, initially I thought that she was a style influencer, but she also has a day job. She works in corporate marketing and actually started a new job recently. She lives in Dallas, Texas, and we actually speak the week after there was the huge storm there. So as well as Ashley dealing with, you know, lockdown, which is a key component of this conversation, because that's the situation we're in. She's also been dealing with the aftermath of the storm. I wanted to ask Ashley how she built her career, but also how she came to find her own style. If you check her out on Instagram at the inspired eye, you'll see that Ashley has a real, for me, it's a very modern classic kind of way of dressing, you know, like wide leg trousers with sneakers. She has these amazing bouncy curls, but in the conversation, I want to find out, you know, who is she behind the camera? So I think this is a really insightful conversation and I hope you love it. person. Um, I think it's what keeps me sound for sure. Um, and just feeling very level headed. Um, but I'm pretty routine in the sense of, um, I'm up fairly early, whether I'm working out or not. So if I work out, I'm up really early, like obscenely early. I'm what time? probably, probably five thirty. Um, and it's weird. It's, even if I don't need to be up that early, because I usually work out at about seven, mm-hmm. um, but I don't like to rush. So I like for my body to get acclimated to being awake. Um, and I could probably get up at six and do that, but my body just naturally wakes up at five thirty now, and I'm hitting that point where it just, you know, I don't even have to set an alarm clock. I'm just up. So that's always pretty interesting. Um, and then if I'm not working out, I'll allow myself to lay. Even if I'm awake, I'll just kind of lay there and let my body, you know, gradually get up around seven. Mm-hmm. So in general, I'm a pretty early riser. Um, and if I am working out, that's how I start right away. So with my workout, um, coming home, I do a protein smoothie every day, um, which is so funny. I very rarely deviate from, from that. I don't switch it up. Like I'm not one of those people that's like, Oh, I think I'll have this. I mean, I literally make the same thing. <laughs> really? So every... what's in your smoothie? Yeah. So I do um, vegan protein, um, black seed. It depends. The way I do switch it up is sometimes I'll do half an avocado okay. or half a banana. <laughs> wow. That's, that's my right? I know. That's, that's the end. Yeah, that's my switch up. Um, and then I just do ice and um, spinach, fresh spinach almond milk and that's it um so <laughs> do that uh on days I don't work out I actually do try to always make myself a hot turmeric drink mm-hmm. so that's just like turmeric root apple cider vinegar cracked pepper um honey and cayenne with hot water nice. so I ha- try to have those every morning and I actually love on the days I don't work out starting that first so it's like the very first thing I have even before my smoothie mm. um you know, just to help with immunity and 
trying to be as healthy as possible with, you know, what's going on, keeping, um, you know, all my insides as strong as possible. So, yeah, I, I am definitely. And then from there, I really like to take my time. Like, I'm a slow mover. If I need to move quickly, I can't. I don't like to. It's my preference is to really enjoy the start of my day. Like, I'm not someone who typically will wake up and is boom, 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 get ready out the door. I really am someone who likes to lounge. <laughs> sounds good. Um, yeah. By the way, whenever you post about your workouts, you always inspire me to do a workout. Oh, and it's well, hard during lockdown, you know, it's hard to. It yeah, it is. But, you know, I think it's the one that has definitely been the one thing. And actually during lockdown, I started working with a personal trainer, which I had never done. I've worked in more um, like classroom settings. Like I would go to a studio and take a class and, and that sort of thing. But working with an individualized trainer and I do do it with two girlfriends. So that's nice to mm -hmm. hold each other accountable and know you know, obviously your trainer is waiting for you to show up, but then we're there together to encourage one another. But it really was the saving grace for me of just, you know, everything um, going on and really keeping myself very level-headed. Um, you know, because there are, I, I think naturally I'm a homebody, and so I get very comfortable being at home. Right. Um, which obviously makes it challenging to move your body. And I live in a confined space. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'm an urban dweller. So I live in, you know, the city and high rise. And, um, you know, so so I need, I need that movement. And I think it's definitely, that has been the one thing for me during lockdown that has been a game changer. So mm -hmm. it really helped me not feel so weighed down by everything going on. Mm -hmm definitely want to talk more about lockdown because you know you're in Texas I'd love to find out how people around the world are doing but before yeah. we get into that I just want to okay. go through this the morning skincare hair care okay. regime because um I, I've always loved your hair love the curls but oh thank you I mean have think have you pretty much you say you like routine so have you stuck with your skincare hair care self-care routines during lockdown oh yeah yeah, I would say the one thing probably that has shifted a little bit with those is, um, you know, I will, I, I noticed there might have been some mornings where I'm like, oh, I don't think I washed my face this morning. And I just kind of <laughs> jumped into, which is also why I love the workout, because it's like, you go work out, you come home and you do your routine. Yeah. So I get in the shower and, you know, but with lockdown, if I'm not working out, um, the next day, it's like I took a shower the night before, I did my nighttime routine, and then I'll wake up and I'll just kind of start doing um, and it'll be, you know, lunchtime. And I'm like, oh, I didn't like wash my face and get ready because I just kind of jumped into doing. Mm. Um, but I really tried to make it a point not to do that. So, mm. you know, to, to go through my morning skincare routine, um, which, yes, I do a morning and night skincare routine. Um, and I, I'm kind of, you know, I am across the board product wise. So I would say for me, I don't have one set product that or product line that I mm, use for mm. everything. I've kind of tried a lot of things. I actually had an incident recently where my skin reacted to a product very badly. Um, it was actually pretty widely known. I think, um, I don't know if you've heard the Summer Fridays. But, yeah. Um, I Which love one? their masks. They came, well, they released a statement saying that customers had, were having bad reactions to a product. Um, 
of theirs, and they noticed that um, apparently there was essentially a bad batch, I guess, because mm-hmm. I had been using it for over a year. So that's why I didn't think it was that product. I thought it has to be something else because I've used this forever. Mm-hmm. You know, usually you, re- you correlate any sort of reaction to something new being introduced. Mm-hmm. And it was, but it was bad and it was all on my neck and chest. Yeah. Was it the jet lag so, I score? Yeah. So I, I used the jet lag and the um, Rose Petal One. Um, right. I used both of them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I was an avid user. I loved them. Um, and so that was really crazy. So I, when that happened, I immediately stopped using everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, I, and I went very simple and started using CeraVe. The face wash and lotion because I figured I need the most non ketogenic and mm-hmm. just very simple on my skin to help mm-hmm. it get back to a place of normalcy, mm-hmm. um, which that really freaked me out. And so, you know, most recently I, I just wasn't doing anything in my normal routine. Um, but typically I wash with a gentle cleanser and I've actually really enjoyed therapy. I hadn't used mm-hmm. it. Um, Gosh, probably since I was a teenager. I think I used like Cetaphil as a teenager. Yeah. Um, and I kind of correlate them together, but I hadn't used it in forever. And um, it is super gentle, which I love. Um, so I always will use a little bit of that. And it's interesting in the morning, I don't as much focus on washing my face as I do around just the rim of my face, the rim, my neck. Um, because, you know, typically when you wash your face at night, you know, it's, mm. and I do a double cleanse at night. Yeah, which I yeah, can go yeah. You know, fairly clean, and um, sometimes I have really dry skin, and they say washing it again in the morning can be very dry. So mm-hmm. I just kind of focus on that rim aspect, and mm-hmm. then I do use a really gentle rose toner um, all over. Mm-hmm. And then, depending, I've been using um, a vitamin C serum from okay. Drunk Elephant yeah. that I really like. Um so I use that, and then I do a mixture of sunscreen. I've been using the CeraVe sunscreen with um, a little facial oil, and I mix what? it in with my sunscreen, and I love how it goes on very luminous. Mm. Um, and then from there, I just do, you know, a little um, light. I'm a very easy makeup person. Mm-hmm. My makeup takes me probably <laughs> 15 minutes. <laughs> okay. um, I've always been very basic when it comes to that, and, you know, um, it's just something I wish I was more skilled in. It is not my forte, um, but it works because I like more of the natural, mm. make, no makeup, makeup look anyway. Um, and so I actually just started using the new foundation stick from um, Merit Beauty. Okay. Yeah. I've so, only recently heard of them. I don't think they're available okay. here yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. They just launched in Sephora. Um, but they have a complexion perfection stick that's supposed to double as a concealer and kind of a makeup. Yeah. But I love that you can build on it. Mm-hmm. So it can be as sheer as you want or you can add a little bit more to it. Um, but I, I've been loving it. Um, so I've been using that for kind of my go-to makeup. I use a little Glossier of the um, balm, cheek balm. Oh, what's um, it I, Cloud, is it cloud? Cloud no. paint. Cloud paint, that's the one, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I love uh, cloud paint by Glossy. I use the um, theme color. Um, I use that, and then I also use their, uh, I think it's the Dew. It's um, kind of like oh, their Future highlight. Oh, Future Dew. Future Dew. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I just started using it, and I really, really like it. Um, 
a little bit of that mascara, and I use a drugstore mascara from L'Oreal, I think, one mm-hmm. of their classic mascaras, mm-hmm. and um, brows, always brows. Yes, you have some <laughs> amazing brows. I've always noticed your hair um, and brows. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, brows are definitely, and the brows have been a journey, but that's the one thing <laughs> I always do are the brows, um, and I fill them in a little bit. I try not to mess with them too much, but I like them really bushy and fluffy mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just use a little setting um, wand to fluff them out and, and that's it, really. Yeah. No, they look great. But um, oh. as we're talking about makeup, can you remember when you kind of first started getting an inkling of kind of like what beauty was? Yeah. You know, I think for me, it's interesting. So growing up, it was never something that was big in my um, home space like my mom is not a big makeup person by any means so I think for me it was definitely outside influence you know media I always um, you know I grew up in the 90s so music videos were her um, way of life and watching music videos were I think definitely where that started to infiltrate my childhood was mostly in New Orleans right. um, and so I think you know just being in that environment being, um, I think it's such a scene. Anything you do in New Orleans, from the most simple things, you know, people really, it's, it's all about portraying who you are. And obviously, your hair and makeup is such a piece of that. Um, and so, you know, but I think it was really just people in my surrounding, like I remember my um, sixth grade teacher in New Orleans, Mrs. Ashley, um, which actually that's her last name, Dana Ashley, we were had a really close bond and she was stunning. I mean, so stunning. I remember just she had all the piercings, um, which I think is kind of where I got it from. I only did one ear. She did both. Um, and I didn't want it to do more. Like I think I just want to focus on one ear being a statement. Um, but there were things about her that I just remember being so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't always about makeup in a first you know in a literal sense but Mm -hmm. just you know whether it was the hair everything was just it was a look it was a a vibe and who she was and I loved that Mm. you know and so I think at that time you know and and that's when I was starting to mature and hit that age of you know just wanting to be able to express myself I went through the phase of doing the white um highlighter (laughs) under my eyebrow and definitely (laughs) When I was at age, we did the dark lip liner with lip gloss, um, you know, so it, I was definitely wanting to experiment with things that I was seeing around me that, mm. you know, I thought, I'm into that. Yeah. <laughs> Hair was definitely like the focus of beauty. I remember growing up in New Orleans and it was always about the hair and it was always part of a look and, you know, I mean, I spent countless hours in the beauty salon and then one of my best childhood friends was just really talented with hair and would do my hair and you know set the fine style so yeah I mean that was always a very big big thing growing up there and I think it probably still is but maybe has shifted a little bit mm-hmm. um you know just with the time obviously time and time period changes things um so yeah do you have so when you think back to yourself your younger version, is there a look that you really did quite like on yourself at the time? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, probably everything. No, um, (laughs) 
you know, I think looking back and seeing the white eyeliner under my eyebrows is a little jarring. And, and I think probably the biggest was the eyebrows, right? Because that back then it was all about squeezing them. And when I look thin. back and see how thin and just, you know, fragile they look. <laughs> they look like, oh my tadpoles. God. Yeah, tad, literally tadpoles. So you kind of have that little bit at the end and then it just, yeah. So I look back at that and it always makes me cringe. Always. <laughs> um, so in that realm, for sure, um, you know, but in general, I think everything did feel very in the time. And, mm. you know, I remember hair accessories, which they're kind of making, they've made that comeback. That was big for me um, as a younger woman and, you know, adolescent, um, styling our hair with, we would put chopsticks in our, the you know, hairstyles or um, the little clip pins. I mean, I had um, like glitter butterflies and, you know, a lot of the things that girls mm-hmm. are using now in different ways mm-hmm. and have, you know, kind of transformed a little bit. Um, but I remember that being such a thing um for sure and you know would wear my hair with like the two pieces in the front that was very 90s (laughs) (laughs) obviously I know you through Instagram as being a style influencer so for you back then was there ever you've mentioned your teacher but was there ever anyone in like any celebrities musicians etc that you would kind of look at and think you know that's that's the look that I like. Were you ever inspired by the entertainment world? You know, I think during that point in my life, um, I don't, I don't know that I really did look to the celebrity set. I really think it was my more immediate um, surrounding, Mm. you know, just kind of what I was surrounded by from a community aspect. Like I said, my sixth grade teacher, Mrs. Ashley, such a vibe. And then actually one of my close girlfriends growing up, um, in New Orleans, her mom was a hairstylist and she did our hair. And I remember her being, I just always a look. I just, Miss Sorrell was like everything. I remember every time we go to salon, I would just like look at her and be like, that is what I need to look like when I grow up, you know? And mm. that's what I'm saying. Like the outfits, the look, you know, the hair was all, you were, you were conveying something through all of it. Mm. Um, and so, I think just being immersed, I was definitely more influenced by people who were immediately around me than I was so much more the celebrities. And I think it's because there was such a personal connection. Mm. Um, and, you know, when you are defining who you are and, and what that looks like visually, it's so personal. And so I think for me, being in an, a place where I could be up close and realize, you know, who this person is as, as a person and then see how that conveyed physically just stuck with me so much deeper than mm. someone who I didn't know yeah. or couldn't um, connect with, yeah. for sure. Tell me about how different, now you're in, you're in Dallas, Texas? Yes, in Dallas. Have you noticed that things are different when it comes to hair and beauty there? You know, um, it's interesting. I think in, in general, doubt, it is. It's, it's different in the sense that Texas, for me, I've noticed, and probably one of my biggest gripes, and I've lived here for quite a while now. Um, I moved here for my career and have just always been here. But I think it lacks a bit of just very prevalent culture. 
So there's culture here, but you have to really find it and look for it. Okay. You don't really fall into it like you can in other cities like a New Orleans or New York, mm-hmm. um, you know, even Chicago. So for sure, you know, that side of things, sometimes it feels, can feel very um, cookie cutter. Right. And you kind of feel like you look around and everyone looks very homogenous. Um, so I think for sure, you know, when I first moved here out of college um, and was starting my career, I went into a corporate space and felt like, you know, I need to assimilate. And I straightened my hair every day for years um, and really damaged it tremendously because obviously my hair is <laughs> very <meant>. curly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you spend seven, eight years just putting heat on it, day after day that's tough but I think for me I just felt like well I'll be taken more seriously um you know curls tend to come off very playful and youthful and you know I was young and so now you know then I was like I wanted people to think you know I'm not just this young college grad and now I'm like sure go ahead and think I'm Mm. a young it's just interesting how your mind back then went to I'll be taken more seriously with straight hair where do you think that came from what was telling you, know, you that yeah I think I think honestly it's just what we are um fed through media and through um just the the realities and norms that surround us you know I was in a corporate space and there were not many girls who looked like me and so when I walked into those spaces it was very you know straight hair um white women and that was, you know, it was a very homogenous environment. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, it just felt like, you know, I don't, I don't want to be that person who sticks out and people, mm-hmm. you know, look at me differently than anyone else here because I want to, you know, be looked at as she deserves to be here. And, um, you know, she is just as qualified as anyone else. And so I think sometimes you felt this pressure to not give mm. someone a reason outside of, yeah. you know, just what you brought to the table, mm. you know, whether it be your skill set or, you know, your experience and those sort of things as to why, you know, you didn't deserve to be in that space, mm. which is obviously very challenging and should not be the norm. But I think back then the conversations were so different. And, yeah. you know, when you were looking at media and, you know, I, I worked for, so I moved here. I worked um, in marketing for a large fashion brand, Nima Marcus Group. Okay. Um, and so, you know, obviously high fashion is a whole, that's another realm of just, you're walking into a space that, you know, all the models are six in, typically, you know, I'm not diverse. And so, you know, you're, you already have this sense of, I've got to make sure, mm-hmm. of, you know, when I show up that it's, there's no question. Um, and I'm not being questioned about my physical appearance. And I think, you know, so it was just a very subconscious thing. It was never mm. um, outright or mm. directly, you know, um, infiltrated anywhere. I think it was just something that went unsaid and unspoken. And you felt like, I don't want to shake things up too much because, you know, I'm. It, it's almost that feeling of like, I'm just happy to be here. I and know, I know, but it's just... It's like, why is the onus on you? Why do you have to make yourself smaller? Exactly. Exactly. And so I think that, you know, that's been the most beautiful thing 
one, about the surgence of social media, um, <clears throat> and then obviously just seeing how much has changed through the years and the conversations we're having, you know, that are so different now. Um, and I, I remember, I mean, I have stories for days in, in the working space and just things that, you know, have ne- I've never forgotten of, you know, I remember when I did, would straighten my hair, you know, women at work would ask me if it was real. And in my mind, I'm like, would you ask anyone else if their hair was real? Yes, this is my hair, you know, my hair is real. But just those things of like, you know, you the realities that I think we would deal with when it came to just those small things. And I don't think they ever thought anything was wrong with that. Or maybe they thought it was a compliment because it looked so good that, you know, it looked fake or I I don't it's what we now yeah. call microaggressions, isn't it? It's, right. it's those exactly. little things that you might exactly. go home and be like, hang on. But in the <laughs> moment, you're so used to performing and doing your job yeah. and just getting exactly. on with things, you know. Exactly. And making it, you want it to not be uncomfortable. So you yeah. just try For to them. pass it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And so you just try to move past it as quickly as possible. And I think now we realize that was the wrong way yeah. to address it we need to be more head-on and direct um and I think you know we're in a place where people feel like oh you just can't say anything anymore and everything is so um filtered and you know and I guess I I understand that in a sense but I think it's just more of you want people to at least you know even for me if, if there's ever something I feel like I lack um, awareness on I to me the humility of how you might approach someone yeah. for having a genuine interest in like, you know, wanting to learn is so yeah. different than, yeah. you know, just making a comment and passing. Um, and so I think for me, that is where that difference comes. And mm. hopefully people in those spaces are realizing there's a way to, to do it and approach it that does feel like, okay, you're genuinely interested mm. in me or my culture or just, you know, um, myself versus being ignorant and not understanding and then making a statement or comment mm. or asking a question that comes across very ignorant. Um, so, yeah. I'm glad, it's, it's I'm glad it's changing because I feel like, you know, you just said there's loads of stories you could tell me. And oh. all of those stories would have had an impact on you over the years. Yeah. And they add up. And that's, yeah. that's one of the reasons why when Black Lives Matter really erupts, that so many of us would be crying because it's like it's it's come to the surface all those things that you've just put up with and you want them to be comfortable it's it's gonna come out so change is uncomfortable so yeah yeah for sure it's a you know I don't I don't think anyone outside of you know us as a people has really understood how deep-rooted it is and how you know like we said there the microaggressions that have been dealt with is it's so deep seated that it's not it's so much bigger than obviously yes we want to be able to move freely and not yeah. worry about our lives being yeah. taken but we also want to exist and move freely and not feel like we are so different yeah. um you know and and it's something that typically has never been celebrated and I think too it's interesting we're in a place now where we're trying to decipher where's the genuity of celebration and where's the I just want to capitalize 
on the yeah. celebration. Yeah. You know, and so now we're at a whole other yeah. where you feel That's what like happens with never, change. It's like you can't just yeah. change one thing. It's yeah. It's everything. You wonder if it's ever gonna end, you know, <laughs> or what when will it feel like, you know, we're in a space where it's like, okay, it really isn't about performing and making sure that they can, you know, uh generate a revenue off of now something that is you know being considered so trendy yeah um and you know and it's for us I think that's what's so challenging yeah it's like we have to we've got to wait it out for me coming yeah. from the beauty world I'm I'm interested in seeing what the brands are doing five years from now I'm not yeah. right now I'm like okay let's mm-hmm. see <laughs> uh-huh. for sure definitely I feel like over the past few months when I would see you on Instagram you kind of used the time to do was it like a detox or some kind of uh, were you fasting um well so <laughs> I did yeah I had I would say at the start of it I was binging <laughs> I was living my best life and everybody did at the start everybody yeah I no, had no regrets and still have moments where I'm like you know, just head first. And then, yes, I hit a point where I was like, okay, this has gotten a little crazy. And I, I was feeling very sluggish. And I right. was like, how am I feeling sluggish when I'm resting all day? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's what um, happens. It's, your body's yeah. like, you don't need me anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I did do um, a fast. I did um, a 21-day fast, which I've done before. Um, typically, I have really done it usually at the start of the year just as a reset um but I love that you really can and should do it whenever you feel like you need to and um it is religious based it's called the Daniel fast and the intent of it is to really just reconnect with everything grown from the earth so your source of um nutrients and nourishment has to come from the earth so you're eating fruits and vegetables um and whole grains okay so no meat, no buy animal products, of course, no dairy, um, no fried foods, um, you know, uh, no alcohol. And so I would say, you know, honestly, I love the discipline that it gives you. It, it's certainly challenging because I'm someone who loves to eat. I love, you know, just the experience of eating and food and how that brings people together. Mm-hmm. Um, but same time you know I also really love realizing that we have put ourselves in a place where we feel like we need so much when we really don't you know and Mm -hmm. so we're capable of you know the simplicity and I think we've just gotten so used to the abundance that um it's nice sometimes to just take a minute um and you know not allow ourselves all those pleasantries that we're so used to having Whenever people tell me about certain diets or fasts that they do, I'm always like, but what were you eating? So what yeah. What kind, because you told me at the beginning of this when we were doing the sound test that you had a cruffin for breakfast, you know. Yeah. So what did you end up eating during this time? Yeah. What kind of things? So honestly, it's a lot of, um, I mean, for me, it was a lot of vegetables. So um, I love mushrooms, portobello, shiitake, I'm eating a lot of mushrooms. Um, I love to saute them with shallots to give them some good flavor, um, roasted sweet potatoes, um, you know, 
Brussels sprouts. I was, I love Brussels sprouts. I probably ate them every day. <laughs> um, that and mushrooms were kind of my go-to. Mushrooms have a lot of protein in them. So okay. that was good. And I had my smoothie, my protein smoothie every day, <laughs> um, because you can have, you know, the vegan protein, um, and obviously everything else in it is, is, um, okay. So yeah, I mean, a lot of it. And then I would say, you know, my, like treat myself would be having an apple with almond butter or an orange, um, dried mango. I love, mm, love dried uh, having mango. dried mango because I have a sweet tooth. I love mm, sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, it's a lot of, um, you know, just getting really creative and a lot though too. You just kind of eat the same thing, um, and get used to that, which right. is tough because I'm not someone that typically eats the same thing over and over. I really enjoy switching it up. And so for me, you're just really focused on like, okay, pretty much the same thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. Tell me for you, like once you got to the end, what was the overriding benefit for you? Was it physical or mental? I think more mental. For me, for sure, more mental. Um, You know, I think I'm not someone who does diets. I never have. I don't think I ever will. Um, I really try to focus on just moderation um, and allowing myself to, to live um, because I think diets, in my opinion, are just a very unhealthy mental space to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, this fast is, is more of a mental accomplishment, the discipline that it takes to, you know, withdraw and withhold yourself from things that you do really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think for me, it's, it's never about losing weight or changing my body as it is more about, you know, strengthening myself mentally from a discipline perspective and just proving to myself that when you commit to doing something and you can stick to it and, and see it through. What do you do for yourself, especially during this time? What have you found yeah. is like the comfort for you? Um, you know, I would say, honestly, I'm plugging. Um, I'm someone, I think, where I, <clears throat> I'm for sure that person that has the love-hate relationship with social media, right? Because I love to create and I love to share, but I also love to disconnect and really disconnect um, and not, you know, be engaged for a day or mm-hmm, two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not, I'm not someone that's like, oh, let's take a couple hours. Like, I really like to pull away. Um, and so for me, that's, and it continues to be. I mean, I think it will always be um, something that I focus on and do forever, but especially mm. during lockdown. I'm just allowing myself to, you know, not have to be engaged all the time and keeping up with everything that's coming yeah. at you. My most favorite moments are not after. You sound so romantic. Like, uh, you've got <laughs> a romantic, like, old... I, I love it. I really do love it. Because uh-huh. I think when we get into the habit of, going for a walk got to take a picture of that the fact the action of actually taking the picture I think it takes something away from your memory yeah it's like your brain's thinking well you've taken care of that I don't need to keep that whereas if you don't take the picture you have to do the work to remember what you were doing that day definitely Um, so it's the last question can't believe we're there I love to know and this is a question I've honed over time over about a year year and a half and it used to be, when do you feel the most beautiful? But I kind of 
go back and forth because I realize that beautiful, beautiful is a label that's often put on us. It's not right. necessarily what you feel. So I've come to the conclusion that perhaps saying, when do you feel your most you, like your authentic, authentic, most beautiful version of you? Like you really feel yeah. like this is me. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's interesting. Um, I was listening to um, a brief interview recently with an artist from New Orleans and he was painting, he was talking about his work and he was saying how, you know, in his work, there's always a door that he includes in his work because there's something so introspective about who we are behind a closed door. Okay. Um, and not having to be who we think we need to be or show up as outside of, mm. of that space. And, you know, I thought, gosh, that's so deep and so true and so interesting to think through that, you know, I think when you talk to anyone, they feel the most at peace and with themselves behind a closed door in the privacy of, of their own space. Um, but in that same moment, it triggered me to think deeper in that sense of how can I carry that beyond you know, the comfort of my own space. Because when I hear that question from you, when do I feel the most you, I, I would say it would always be home. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an old soul for sure, which I think, you know, when people say like, oh, what's something a lot of people may not realize about you and just seeing, you know, my social media, I think sometimes that may not come across a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I literally feel like I'm, you know, I was born in, old person have <laughs> <laughs> carried that my whole life because you know I'm just um I, there's something that I've always connected to I mean I like I mentioned earlier having a very close relationship with my sixth grade teacher like I've kind of just always been that person that has been and gravitates to more mature spaces mm. and connecting with people who are, are much older than myself um you know and she and I kept in touch beyond oh. me being her student, you know, and me growing up. And um, But as someone who's 12 years old and feeling like, oh, my gosh, I want to be like my sixth grade teacher when I grow up. It's, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that not obviously typical mm. um, in that sense. And so I think for me, I, I certainly feel most me in this space of being in the comfort of my home um, by myself. Um, being able to just, you know, let it all down, not having to engage, not, but I, but I really am focused and I feel like at this point in my life, I'm in a place of how do I carry that beyond mm, the closed door? That feeling, um, yeah, yeah. You know, because I think that's where for so long you, you feel this sense of drain. You feel when you come home, you know, that feeling of like we're taking yeah, our mask off, yeah. we take a bra, we get comfortable. Yeah. Um, and you just feel drained because you do feel like you've had to move or be in spaces that maybe you haven't always been able to be yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, with my new job and, and, um, where I'm at professionally and personally, that was the most important thing to me is whatever, um, way I navigate, I want to make sure that I'm valued for who I am and that I'm going to show up exactly who I am and mm -hmm. I'm not going to have to curtail that I'm not going to have to censor that or um you know overthink it because I don't have that energy to give um you know and I just want to show up 
who I am and be appreciated and valued for that. And, you know, it's still, I think, a constant struggle. And I for sure think it's just natural, right, that sometimes we feel like we have to hold back because, you know, we don't know how something might be perceived. Mm -hmm. But I'm just constantly reminding myself that, you know, the more I can be who I am when I'm in the comfort of my own space, yeah. even if it is that lame, old soul who really is just not that, like, that's okay. And, and you know, the people who um, value it, that's all that matters. Yeah. And that they don't have to, you know, it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality. And that's certainly something I'm really focusing on for myself and you know, as I get older, you know, I don't need there to be a large quantity of people who buy in. I just want the quality of the people who do and I am surrounded with to be, you know, the the best. So I would say for me, you know, it's trying to find that balance of mm-hmm. being my most self and, and feeling my most self at home and how that translates beyond you know, the comfort of my own space. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on Instagram at Beauty Me Podcast and feel free to slide into the DMs. Do please like, subscribe and review. It really helps Beauty Me be seen.